Hello. Ben? Kate? Ben? Kate? Zora? Turkey? Where are you guys? Hello? Hello? Uncle Ben? Uncle Ben? Uncle Ben, is this a joke? I made my podcast disappear. I made my podcast disappear. Yow! I'm home alone. What am I gonna do? Oh, wait, who are these two? <gasps> it's the fucking wet bandits. <laughs> it's Corey and Mark from Jack of All Graves here yes, to save mate. me from being alone. The cosplay of my dreams, the wet bandits. Don't worry, Steve. We're not gonna let you just sit around crying into your own seven fucking vast deferent. We're here. <laughs> To rub ointment <laughs> on your fucking. Let's... <laughs> okay, so this hey Hollywood Steve here with uh, Corey and Mark from Jack of All Graves, and this is uh, Dead and Lovely, and basically this is the second half of an episode. Mm. You should go listen to the most recent Jack of All Graves episode, which we just recorded. You can hear all sorts of stories about the severing of my vast deference <laughs> and all sorts of other fun stuff. But now we're doing an episode of Dead and Lovely for the first time without Ben. Ben is off working as a guitar guy, probably mm. plucking a chord. I don't, you know. Yeah, but uh, I bet amping. there's like at least one or two chords being plucked. Oh yeah, maybe probably, doing that thing with sure. a whammy bar where he goes. Wah, 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 oh wah, yeah, wah, I bet he's whammying the hell out of a guitar. Yep. Yeah, just like a it's shit gonna ton be of great, whammy. whatever it is. But for this week. <laughs> We are having a Jack of All Graves takeover. Amazing. I have invited my friends, Corey and Mark, to come talk about the movie Ravenous. Now, we have already talked about this back in episode one, blue, 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 two years ago in December. I don't remember what number it is. Go check it out. But Corey knows an awful lot about cannibals, or at least enough to make this a much more interesting uh, take on Ravenous than maybe we had before. I was going to correct you and say like, oh, I don't know a lot of, uh, about cannibals. I just like them a lot. But then I realized that's worse. <laughs> I'm probably yeah, a, no, that's better. Let's that's go better, with I know right? a lot about cannibals. I'm just friends with cannibals. Yeah. Just <laughs> deeply, intimately connected with cannibals. No reason. <laughs> so, Corey, Mark, uh, for the people who don't know you, which is, I don't know. Listen, I've talked about Jack of All Graves so many times. If you haven't checked out their, their podcast, you really need to get on that. But for the people who don't know you, please, Corey, who you be? What is your deal? Actually, Tell me all about you it. You know what? I actually feel like since I've been on here before and people are more familiar with me, this should be Mark. We should go to Mark? Okay. Well, you want me to describe Joe? who are you? Oh, my goodness. All right. So, look. <laughs> during the pandemic, during lockdown, and don't please think back on it because you'll fucking cry. But uh, during the pandemic, I guess, Corey and I had a kind of a transatlantic, uh, kind of a meta baby. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Uh, she reached out to me, asked me, uh, you, you doing much? Obviously, I wasn't. 
let's start a podcast and we did and despite my worries that it would just carry on for like maybe three weeks and fizzle out it didn't we're over a fucking year later and i don't think there's a single stone we haven't unturned i don't think there's a single crevice we haven't fucking looked in i don't think there's a single fucking dark corner of our own experience that we haven't explored jack of all graves is a good fucking laugh about some deeply 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 upsettling unsettling topics uh and despite everything we're still going and yeah we're we're delighted to both be here today i like the idea of something being upsetting (laughs) oh yeah yeah Yeah, like it's unsettling but in some way like uplifts you right it's a mistake that i'm gonna commit to you know yeah (laughs) 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 you've just discovered our genre yeah Yeah, think it think it through and you'll cry but just let it upsettle you (laughs) i feel great about being upset that's what it is yeah, and Corey, you've been on the show before on the Mothman Prophecies episode. It's true, but maybe someone didn't hear that episode. Maybe they're maybe they're just blindly coming into this. What is this? What is it a podcast? What, uh, what's uh, ravenous? I'm so scared. Tell me, who's Corey? Uh, I am. I, I am. <laughs> she is that. She is. I am that. I am is what I am. No. Uh-huh. Uh, Obviously, one half of, of Jack of All Graves. I am a uh, researcher for the television and for the uh, Wisecrack YouTube. And uh, mm. I, you know, I'm just uh, just a girl finding her way in the world is, is all I am. Okay. I like that. <laughs> From a Joag point fun. of view, you're very much the respectable face of Jack of All Graves. Right. That's true. Uh, yes. The yeah. professional kind of face of Jack of All Graves. The intellectual face of Jack of All Graves. <laughs> the... <laughs> the, the research, I'm not even gonna deny the production, right. <laughs> the web management, the social media, uh, yeah. all of the things that make a podcast what it is, Corey kind of does. Uh, and I don't know what I add. <laughs> that really cute I'll accent. tell you this. The show wouldn't work without you, uh, no matter how much work Corey has to do. Exactly. You know, it's uh, variety is a spice of life. And let me tell you, uh, Mark is... A variety, or a yeah, spice. that's true. We <laughs> bring different yet unique energies. It's true. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, very much so. <laughs> so, what have we been up to this week, Mark? Wait, wait, you been watching anything fun? Anything nice and interesting you'd like to talk about? Uh, okay, I'm right up to the nuts in Chucky. Which? Uh, oh oh that's yeah. Right. Yes. I'm a rabid fan of the Chucky verse, right? Pun intended for the rest of this episode. I, I I properly, properly love Chucky. It's a franchise like no other. I can't think of another franchise which has managed to maintain just absolutely slavish devotion to its own continuity across right. so many franchises, so uh, so many episodes, so many movies, so many different tones. Uh, you know, past number three, they just fucking took a complete left turn and went straight into the self-referential comedy but yet still through all of that they've still managed to keep this wonderful through line throughout the whole thing and they've some fucking how pulled that off with the tv series we're now seven episodes into a tv series it started off a little slow it had to kind of obviously bring a viewer in um somebody starting chucky from episode one obviously won't have been along on the journey like a lot of our fan a lot of the fans have but it's done it it's done it again within three or four episodes it had folded in all of the rich kind of all of the deep chucky lore uh and yeah. now we're seven episodes in and it's like it hasn't missed a beat you, you you've caught up with characters from way back in the first movie um that's yeah, awesome it, it is it's deeply impressive i can't think of another 
another property which has managed what Chucky has done. Uh, and those who just see, you know, uh, uh, the goofy show about a killer doll, the fucking goofy movies about this fucking killer doll, are missing the point. Chucky is way deeper and way richer than people give it credit for. Uh, and that's what I'm enjoying about it. And, you know, Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I mean, come on. She's great. <laughs> yeah. That's I, awesome. It's a good show. I'm, I think I'm one behind you on it, but mm. I've been absolutely enjoying it for pretty much all the same reasons. It's very creative. It's got Devin Sawa as well, which is uh, oh, okay. relevant to my interests. Um, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a very good time. I'm always looking for like a spooky show to watch. Uh, and there's so few and far between, but sci-fi has yeah, actually yeah. been kind of coming through a little bit on that stuff. Oh, yeah? so you've got Chucky, um, and shortly before Chucky ended, there was, um, I mean, began, there was um, Surreal Estate, which was a lot of fun. Surreal Estate? Surreal Estate. I don't know this one. It's about a, a real estate agency that deals in, like, haunted and demonic houses and things like that. So, it feels like they work know. backwards from the title. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure that is exactly the case. But it is, uh, it's a lot of fun. It has um, Tim Razone and um, Sarah Levy from, or Sarah Levy from Shit's Creek. Both of them are from Shit's Creek. Oh, okay. Uh, it's very Canadian um, and just like a fun monster of the week kind of. Mm. Oh, okay. Show. I love a monster of the week. Yeah, I'm such a big fan of monster of the week shows and mm-hmm. just like jonesing for them. So yeah, yeah. sci-fi has kind of been coming through a little bit on having some good TV horror to watch. Chucky oh. reminds me a lot of it, it, it's achieved something similar to what Ash versus Evil Dead did. Uh, it's oh yeah, a, a, I love a, Ash a, versus a Evil Dead. Sh- oh, it was superb. It was completely you know balls out, pedal to the metal, Evil Dead. And Chucky doesn't have that same kind of high octane, you know, it's it's kill of the week kind of stuff. But it, it does okay. that same successful jump from a movie franchise to a TV franchise. Uh, they've they've adapted to the format really well, just like Ash vs. Evil Dead did. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I have to check this out. It's good shit. Yeah, it's definitely I'm a big fan. Uh, like, I, I don't really love the Child's Play that much, but I am a, a big fan of Bride of Chucky and yeah. Seed of Chucky. Yes. When it gets meta and funny that's yeah. when i really get into it because the idea that a doll is scary is yeah ridiculous of to course. me <laughs> you know, doll. It, it even manages to keep it together they've they've kept the fucking conceit that jennifer tilly in herself is a character right yeah you know what i mean when she shows up people don't see tiffany they're like hang on aren't you jennifer tilly jennifer she's tilly. like yes yeah. i am <laughs> that's awesome. to maintain that over a few different chapters and a jump to tv yeah. is impressive in itself yeah, Don Mancini has done a, a really amazing job keeping that franchise going for so long. Uh-huh. Yeah, awesome. Well, I haven't uh, haven't really watched anything because of uh, being drugged up mm. after my vasectomy. Mm. If uh, I just had a vasectomy on Wednesday, I've been talking about it leading up to this. If you want to hear the whole story, go check out the Jack of All Graves oh, episode uh, <laughs> that we we just recorded on it. <laughs> it is. We, I will we, we talk about the, it. We put the time codes on our blog. If you skip yeah, so. the entire fucking episode, go to the part where Steve talk, starts talking about it as a <laughs> Even if you're kind of curious from a medical standpoint, because to quote the Mandarin, you will never see it coming. So yeah, go check that out. I w- I'll probably talk more about it next week with Ben, but you know, retelling the same story to two people when you could just go hear it. Go check it out on their on their episode. Um, 
I really haven't been doing much though, except for continuing to play Skyrim, which is just gorgeous and I love it. So uh, if you haven't ever played Skyrim, it's a 10 year old video game. I, I know it sounds like, why would I go back <laughs> to a game? There's so many other games with better worlds and graphics and blah, blah, blah. Now, now go play Skyrim. It, you can get lost in it. You can just go for a walk. It's wonderful. You could mm. just climb a mountain. You could kill a dragon, whatever you want to do. So Skyrim, the best. But I did want to talk about something because we did The Crow not long ago. Yes. And um, we talked about the different people who've been attached to potentially play the role in uh, a remake or sequel yep. or whatever. And one of the names in there was Jason Momoa. And I clowned on that idea so hard right. because he is a gigantic <laughs> man. And the crow, um, Brandon Lee was a muscular guy, but Wiry. the crow to me is this sort of skinny goth. Kind of lies. Right? Mm. Yes. Uh, and so the idea to me was was crazy. And then they released some uh, some test photos of Jason Momoa as the crow. And God damn it, he looks great. Yeah, he looks awesome. And I do love Jason Momoa. So he looked like James. Kind of got turned around. Drew him that. in the comics. He's fucking buff as fuck. He's hench. Is he? You know? mm. And uh, yeah, uh, Jason Momoa looked exactly like he does in the comics. Proper yeah. fucking okay. abs and fucking you know pecs ripped, but with that that crazy fucking you know um piero makeup he looked superb uh-huh yeah i i think uh i would watch that now mm. <laughs> now i'm completely turned around <laughs> on it i'm just like actually that'd probably be great yeah. go for it hollywood please oh, i love finding uh, so out yeah, that, totally that's... wrong <laughs> that, that is hollywood steve's self-correction section <laughs> <laughs> right I, Ooh, I like I, that ring i mentioned this on uh your facebook right but uh -huh. I have a dream. I have a dream oh, for what I'd like on. to see done with the crow property. Um, <laughs> no, coming... first Morgan Freeman and now the Reverend Dr. King. If somebody could just put this on a picture of... of uh, <laughs> yeah. Talk about Poster a fucking unattributed quote. Um, so the, the 30th anniversary of Alex Boyce's crow is coming up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if there was any doubt before, there can be no doubt furthermore that death is no longer a barrier to appearing in a major Hollywood motion film, right? True. You know, uh, uh, in fact, um, when Rogue One came out, uh, when it was released on Blu-ray, I sat my kids down and we watched it. And they, they didn't know who fucking Peter Cushing was. They had no idea. <laughs> right. I sat right. them down and watched the film with them. And, and while fucking Grand Moff Tarkin was on the screen, I asked Peter and Owen, my boys, uh, Do you, anything weird about that guy? Like, no, he seems a bit old. They had no idea that that was a digitally huh. necromanticized fucking reanimated corpse. They I genuinely, no watching that, was like, is that guy dead? No. Yeah. <laughs> he must be alive because he's clearly in this movie. Exactly. They, yeah, it's it's scary yeah. how normal it looks. It's, yeah. yeah, incredible. And, you know, it's only got better and better. We've all seen Ghostbusters Afterlife by now. Right. Uh, I haven't yet. Oh, I need to. Oh, are you done with spoilers but or not? I go for it. Harold Ramis looked fine. Even though he was a ghost, he looked like he was fucking, he looked healthy as you or I. He looked absolutely fucking fine. So by yeah, now, okay. being dead doesn't matter, right? You can be in a film, it's fine. So my dream for The Crow is that we get a really good 4K restoration 
using digital necromancy to re fucking shoot the film as it would have bun uh, as, as it would have as it would have bun <laughs> as it would have bun <laughs> as it would have looked. Sometimes and... I'm not sure if it's your accent or or the fact that I'm speaking. a bottle of wine deep. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> as it would have been had Brandon Lee not died, you know, because yeah. Right, it looked great at the time, but watching that sequence where he suits up, you can tell right now that there's yeah. they're shooting extras from behind, that they're mm-hmm. reusing, you know, copy and pasted bits from earlier in the film. Wouldn't it be amazing to use digital fucking dark sorcery to reanimate Brandon Lee and re-fucking reconstruct oh, the crow as it would have been had he not died? Tart it up, make it look amazing, give us a decent special edition with a comic book and a soundtrack and a steelbook. 30th anniversary, let's fucking have it. I would rather that than a new chapter. I would rather see The Crow as it should have been uh, 30 years ago. That sounds awesome. I mean, I think you'd have to do it because, like, when you watch it in high definition now, you can tell the miniatures. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, can, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. see very clearly their miniatures. And then the, the like, CGI Crow looks horrendous. It does. <laughs> like, it does. It's so bad. I would love to see that. I'd love to see a restoration of that to just because those those were some of my nitpicks about right. the movie is that it, today it looks bad. Then yes. it looks great, but today when you can see it in higher definition, it just doesn't look great. But yeah, it could. that seems like now the now smart choice. Yeah, I it wonder, can. It absolutely can. I wonder if that Alec Baldwin Weston is going to see the light of day. Oh, I don't. They hadn't shot that much of it. Oh, I heard they shot quite a bit. Oh really? Oh goodness! Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, but um, shit. That is. Oh no! Oh my! What I'm saying is, they released the crow, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And they the did. fucking lead actor got shot. Yeah. Yeah. So. I feel like I feel like the news cycle moves pretty fast now. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. So it's possible that'll get released, but it's also, I feel like also if it, it comes out on a slow news day, it's all they'll be talking right, about. Yeah. No, I genuinely think that it had only like just begun filming though. So I don't think that there's like a yeah, whole okay. movie. It wasn't like with the crow. It was like, oh, we're going to have to like, you know, rearrange the storyline a little bit, take out a character mm, yeah. or whatever, things like that. I think it's like genuinely there was not much movie that had been filmed at this point so yeah. from and Both i know that situations a good reminder to use union crews yes very so, much so. pro union yay yeah, go union yikes i got a yikes. game <laughs> that i want to play okay and i don't know how to transition into this because ben is the transition guy uh-huh. so uh um let's see uh well, we know that Mark is really good at transitions. Why don't we just let him do I it? Simply say, okay. "Hey, here comes a transition." That's- Boom. Oh, here comes a transition. Welcome a to the preview palace. Here comes a segue. <laughs> <laughs> so, here in the preview palace today, we're talking about a movie that is just full of sexy cannibals. Woo. I mean, Guy Pierce, mm-hmm. uh Robert Carlyle, mm-hmm. good-looking dudes. Jeffrey yeah. Jones, no. <sighs> but that kind of sparked my mind a little bit. I was like, oh, these two dudes are some hot cannibals and then you got Jeffrey Jones. So I came <laughs> up with a little game we're going to pe- play called Eat My Meat or Take a Seat. Ooh, I'm so ready. I'm now, so here's ready. what we do. I was born for this in game. This, I am going to give you 
a cannibal character and you're going to tell me if they are sexy enough to eat your meat or if you would ask them to take a seat. <laughs> this is this is such an incredible game show. I'm a, I'm it's a surprising to me it doesn't already exist. I, I I guarantee it's been pitched a few times at the very least, right? <laughs> it's a okay. very 30 rock sort of game show. Let's do it. So I'm ready. Let's just start with an easy one. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've got a guy who works with the FBI, works with them in helping them catch the most elaborate serial killers. Now, this man, he can cook. Let me tell you that. He's got great taste. Um, And he dresses really well. I'm talking about Hannibal in the TV series Hannibal. Ooh, that was... Ooh, that was a plot twist right there because yeah. you served that up. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm talking about the sexiest version of Hannibal. Ooh. Not only is he a cannibal, he's an artist. Me? The guy is a mm. fucking artist. The guy will make you uh-huh. into, you know, uh, uh, an installation. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Now hold on I mean, though, because he he does work with the cops, right? He he works. He does. With Bardo. That's true. So you know, a cab. <laughs> Oh damn! All cannibals are bastards. All cannibals <laughs> are bastards. Remember the remember that cannibal cop guy? That cop that was like that has on to be forums, a movie. like fantasizing about cannibalism. Oh yeah, I do, I do remember that guy. Yeah, uh, his defense was so, hey, it was just sexy role oh, play. That's all. Right. Hmm. So ACCAB, I guess. But <laughs> fucking hell! If 1986, maybe Bruce Campbell, cannibal cop. Surely to fuck oh, yeah. that's a movie. Yes, right. Cannibal Cop with Bruce Campbell would be rad. <laughs> but still, I'd ask him to take a seat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, no, I get it. I don't know. This is tough, but it's also, it's we're talking Mads Mikkelsen. Here, yeah. You have the right is, to remain delicious. Sex, that guy. <laughs> no, stop. Oh, no. Um, and Mads Mikkelsen is, I mean, I feel like objectively one of the sexiest humans to have yeah. ever walked yeah, in. Yeah, I think so. He, he doesn't take uh, himself seriously, but he also never smiles. Yeah. Can and I explore somehow this that combination bit. is beautiful. Is he, yeah. he going to kind of kill me and away is first? Is he going to like syringe me in the neck and then drag me to his kill room and then carve me up from there? Or am I involved? You tell me. What's the fantasy? I mean, if, do, if you I'm get, not away, do you get drugged and then maybe I'm, you wake up and he's put you in a real nice suit and you're at a dinner table? and If he's going to make it quick, if he's going to just kind of maybe club me on the back of the head, knock me out and kill me and then construct his masterpiece afterwards, I'm not interested. But okay, if he really wants to make me a part of it uh, and... You know, like, uh, it's like in Hopkins Red Dragon, when exactly when he lifts Rayleigh yeah. out of the dome, of, right? That scenario, I'm all about. If it was mad, yeah, no, I would agree. And he just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yes. And he's yes. peeling back my fucking meninges. That scene is so good. It's horrible. Like that movie's not necessarily great, but that scene, lift yeah. out right. Anthony Hopkins and put our boy Mads in there. And I'm oh. Ray Liotta. Yeah. And oh. Mark is in the seat. <laughs> so we've got a... Mark says, eat my meat. <laughs> I say, take a seat. <laughs> I just love the phrase, eat my meat. Okay. It is good. All right. Wait, Steve, well, all right, what was your determination? Go... 
Me? Oh, absolutely. I'm with I'm with Mark on this. Uh, though, um, you know, I don't want to be the one whose brain is being served well, necessarily. You have but to I do realize. Want to be at that doesn't he fry he a piece of me. his own brain in front of him? Yeah. So he and can then fucking smell yeah. his own. Yeah. This speaks to like every one of Mark's interests. This is yes. like this yeah. trepanation. <laughs> I've never been more in. Yeah, uh, Mark's gonna have to like leave for a minute here from the podcast. Just take care of some business, and then Be I'll come off. back. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna say it, but yeah, yeah, that was that was what I was right. insinuating. Yeah. Now this one, um, this is a, a little bit different character. He um, he works against a British spy organization, and. Um, he tends to have a particular affinity for uh, TGI Fridays, baby back ribs. That's right. I'm talking about <laughs> Fat Bastard. Uh, fat okay. Bastard who uh, ate a baby, as mm. we know. He's a cannibal. So Fat Bastard, come, he's he's coming for you. Are you eat? Is are you telling him to eat my meat? I already know how Mark feels about this. Take a fucking reinforced seat. Oh yeah, you're not into fat, fat bastards, not your man. Not in the least. Oh, uh, why not? He uh, seems like a generous lover. He does. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but I know that every time he opened his mouth and spoke to me, I would hear Mike Myers doing the voice he does, uh, and I would just please club me to death and put me out of this. Do what you will with my fucking corpse. But I right. I'm, I don't want to be involved. Yeah, so t- taking a seat there, yeah. fat bastard. What do you say, Corey? Now, this is... I, I'm worried that I'm going to come off as the cannibal prude here. Uh, but <laughs> I <Again>. also... <laughs> I also, like, have a little bit of a thing about people who are sloppy with their food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, he is very sloppy. And so, you know what? I think... I Hannibal like his... would not be sloppy. Hannibal would be no, just Hannibal dainty. No, would be... You know what I mean? You know, yeah. He's You'd like napkins. tiny little pieces on the back of a fork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like... Doilies and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I'm for. Fat Bastard, I appreciate his emotional vulnerability. I appreciate yeah. his willingness to look inward at himself. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no you know... body shame here. Yeah. Oh, no. And abs- certainly not that. But no. he can... The, the food, it gets everywhere. And yeah. that is a problem for me. I'm not going to Yeah, be able that's to. really gross. I don't want that in the sheets. I don't want any of that on me. Uh, so I'm sorry, fat bastard, but I'm going to have to ask you to take, take a, seat. a seat. Yeah, in that makes sheets, sense. Uh, a small correction on myself. I said TGI Fridays, Chili's. It was Chili's, Chili's baby yeah, back Yeah, baby back ribs. Come on. <laughs> yeah. They made now, a whole song I, about it, Steve. <laughs> I, I think of fat bastard... And, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right that the food in his chest mm-hmm. hair is Horrific. the thing that's grossing me that's out. That's a real like, problem. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not a weight issue or anything like that. I think he seems to have a lovely personality aside from eating babies and assassinating people. Yeah. You and know? you know what? We all have flaws. We all have flaws. But, yeah, no, I'm, I don't want to end up in his chest hair, basically. No. What if he's just eating a big chunk of my thigh and it drops on his chest hair now i'm just yeah, honestly it's undignified yeah. and you also Take know that if he discovered bastard. that chunk like a fortnight later he would still eat uh, oh, exactly i can't abide i cannot can abide do better you can I've got do standards better. even in like, death i have a standard if fat bastard started showering 
and mm-hmm. you know maybe keeping a little tidier with yeah. his eating oh, or yeah. a napkin we might be onto something i mean heather graham seemed pleased so yeah i mean can't <laughs> argue with that okay here's another person who's um you know it's gonna be a tough one i think oh boy now she goes to a veterinary school in france okay. along with her sister and uh, her family doesn't eat meat for yep. some reason, and she never really knew why. Now, she gets her first taste of meat, and let me tell you what, she wants all that meat. Uh-huh. She wants to take every bit of meat she can from every human being she sees. Yep. I'm talking about Justine from Raw. <laughs> I have definitely not seen that. <laughs> Yeah, have Okay. Have you seen it, Mark? I certainly have. And what a piece okay. of work it is. It's a great movie. You should see it, Court. Um, oh, I'm, no, 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 no. That's I don't like French things and I don't <laughs> like uh, I don't, too much meat eating, especially French in French things. Like what, yeah. for example? The Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower. Fuck the Eiffel Tower. Garlic. Garlic. What? Specifically strings of garlic held around one's neck. Maybe yeah. right. on a bicycle. I don't know. I'll have none of it. Right. Striped shirts, Baguettes. mimes, none of it. Mm-hmm. No French. However, I do like French things. French things uh, appeal to me. Uh, they they tickle a certain kind of uh, humorous kind of tendon in me. Uh, eat my fucking meat. Because Raw is a banging film. It's yep. in the same kind of... Uh, it's in Ginger Snaps. Yes. Yeah. I have seen Raw is in Somewhere. that yeah. kind of coming of age... Oh, hang yeah. on. I'm, uh, you know, a, a young lady in the fucking bloom of my adolescence. And, oh, all of a sudden, I'm a werewolf or a cannibal. I'm down with right. discovering this fucking, you know, weirdness in yourself. I love that about Raw. It's great. Um, it's also a hell of a film. It's gory as fuck. Yeah. Um, the, the relationship between the two sisters feels very, very, very tangible, very real. Um, and Eat My Meat simply for the uh on the virtue of being the only female cannibal that we've had so far oh okay it can be difficult to be a female cannibal in a traditionally male dominated space do you know what i mean it's true yeah you know we need to support female cannibals when we can (laughs) so by all means break that glass ceiling yes uh i also say eat my meat uh justine is super cute and yeah you're right she's she's going through something similar to ginger snaps where she's discovering her passions and desires mm. and uh being yep. overtaken by them um and also i'm kind of into scary girls so <laughs> oh yeah 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 uh eat mange my ma viande <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sir okay. sir take a bow so take a bow we we got th- this this fella you know he's kind of uh mixed up really hard in his family drama you know his, his family they, they treat him poorly but they, they make him stay at home and do all the you know dirty work maybe every once in a while he has to hang a body on a hook or so yeah. i'm talking about our friend leatherface yep. now listen here we all saw Leatherface in that makeup mask that he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. That's his that's his dinner attire, and he's looking pretty fine. What do you say? 
I say... Would you like to go first, Corey? All I can think about... <laughs> Again, this is... Listen, I, I'm owning up to it. I am a cannibal prude. I, I apparently have a lot of hang-ups. But all I can think about, it's similar to uh, our dear friend Fat Bastard, is Mark... Oh, it's gonna Mark, stink. It's gonna stink. Is Mark in his Leatherface meat mask... And how you talked at length about how bad you smelled. Oh, it stank. And I cannot imagine it would smell any better if it was made of human. So Is this, is this a story you've come across, Steve? Uh, yeah, I've heard it, but uh, please tell it for, for, the, for the audience. Right, I'm a fucking huge Texas Chainsaw dork, right? I love it. A play of my favorite franchises. I fucking love it. So when the opportunity came to go to a, a Halloween party, a horror-themed Halloween party, obviously I'm going to be Leatherface. Obviously I'm not going to half-ass it. I'm going to want to do this properly. I'm going to want to make the mask out of meat of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to stitch together like some really good quality ham. That didn't work. <laughs> Felt a bit. Um, so I ended up getting like, you know, like, you know, like 40 thin slices of wafer-thin ham, recompressed uh-huh. ham food. I got a load of that. Uh it didn't hold the stitches well at all, so I just put it between two layers of cling film and wrapped it around my head. It looked a stink. <laughs> In my head, it looked fantastic. I was I was doing the I was doing the hooting noises and everything. Um, yeah, but <laughs> it was really hot in the, in in the spot, as it were. Uh, and within within an hour, I was just like this toxic fucking no go zone. Nobody would speak to me. <laughs> it was, oh, is that Mark? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so imagine actual human flesh on a face. Right. Although, uh, you know, in 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 the story of the film, I guess he would cure it. I guess you know the family right. cooks, they're chefs, they know how meat behaves. He would salt mm-hmm. it. I guess I don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe you know, maybe it has a nice, pleasant, leathery aroma. Mm. You know, maybe you get close to him and you're like, oh, okay, mm. what's going on? Frowns in vegan. What is <laughs> what is that with cologne? <laughs> Frowns in vegan. <laughs> Don't like my clothes to smell like meat. Uh. Okay, so Corey, you're you are you are t- saying take a seat to Leatherface. I'm sorry, Mark, what do you Leatherface, say? Take a seat. I say eat my meat because uh, okay. not only would I I would then go on to be sold to the good people of Texas. Yeah, that you know what? I've I've I'm gonna have to agree with you there. I'd like to be. If I'm going to die, I'd like to contribute in some way. The food chain. Maybe to some awesome barbecue. There we go. Who knows? Waste not. Waste not. All right. We got uh, this one. I'm telling you, uh, was all the rage uh, earlier this year when when she made her first appearance. Um, she's a bad lady. Okay. She's got a uh, a an issue. Where she needs to consume blood and flesh. Uh, she's also very tall and sexy. I'm talking about Lady Dimit- Dimitrescu from Resident Evil Village. Dimitrescu, yes, indeed. Dimitrescu. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So, do you know who this is, Corey? I have seen the images. Okay, I think I saw someone dressed You've as her it. at um, uh-huh. uh, For the Love of Horror. So... <laughs> I am so, familiar. Mark, are you going to say eat my meat or take a seat? What do you think I'm going to say here? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do, piss off the internet? <laughs> uh, no, by all means, eat my meat as slowly as you like, Lady Dimitrescu. Wow. Uh, yeah? 
All right. Yeah. Okay. Look, I have no filter here. Uh, no. Resident Evil Village was terrific. I didn't finish it, you know. Um, oh. But uh, her appearance in that game was all too brief. Uh, <laughs> what a character. What a beautiful yeah. design. And by all means, yeah. Eat the fuck out of my meat as fucking uh, at your leisure, Lady Dimitres. <laughs> beautiful. And she's got Freddy Sorry. claws. Holy shit. Oh. It's true. So that's, I mean, that's additional sexy. Intersectional, yes. Intersectional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee there's an academic out there trying to use that word right now. <laughs> Intersectional. Listen, I have nothing against her, so why not? She yeah. can eat my meat, too. I mean, just recently, uh, well, not that. Uh, listen, I, I was watching Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy gets super big. And she picks up Harley Quinn. Oh, really? And she says, how crazy would it be if I ate you right now? And I immediately kind of developed uh, an idea of like, yeah, no, I'd be kind of into that. <laughs> if boy, big tall poison ivy picked me up and ate me, yeah. yeah so uh, if this big tall lady wants to eat me. Because I've avoided that movie oh. <laughs> up to now. Oh, no, not the, not the not movie, the, the cartoon. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The cartoon is so good. Oh, I'm really? telling you, you've got to watch it. it. Have you ever seen Venture Brothers? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. It hasn't Never really. Mind. I know Venture Brothers is huge uh, where you are, but it, it hasn't really hit the mainstream over here at all. Oh, you got to see it. It's great. Cool. Okay. So we all agree. Yeah. She's eating us. Yeah. She's got us. We're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to give you, I think, probably an easy decision, but <laughs> you never can tell. <laughs> He's a rich boy. He kills prostitutes. Yep. He wears glasses so you can never see his eyes. I'm talking about Kevin from Sin City. Yep. <laughs> so we're talking about Great. a guy with choice. very few redeeming qualities. Yeah, pretty gnarly, except that he's Elijah Wood. That and is what I was going to say. He's cute. He's in the like movie. real cute. So family connections. Hmm. <laughs> family connections you say yeah kevin in in the Sin city verse isn't he the the son of someone important yeah yeah he is yeah his dad is basically the reason why he keeps getting away with what he's doing yeah. so he's a, a rich boy say. piece of shit yeah yes. no there's a there's not much you can I, listen i'll go through a lot for elijah but uh -huh. He's going to have to take a seat and eat somebody else's meat because that guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. I have Absolutely. no room for rich kids in my life. I, yeah. agree. I agree. I agree. I'm not a fan of his modus operandi. He's all kind of skittery and jumping around the place with his little yeah. fucking weird claws. It's gross. No. <laughs> yeah. Wear a suit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're, you're giving him tips to come back Wear to be, maybe eat your meat. Or at least <laughs> someone else's skin. <laughs> uh, and then we'll talk and then we'll talk if then you're gonna do that yeah. weird thing skittering about the place no take a seat Jack of all graves <laughs> is coming across like weirdly bougie this episode like we just like have really high standards for people they're gonna need to yeah. learn their table manners they're gonna need right. to know how to dress uh, or yeah maybe peacock a little bit with your skin suit I mean come on <laughs> have some standards is all we're saying yeah <laughs> And here's my final one. Also, I, I don't know. I don't know how you'll react to this. Um, He's uh, 
he's a yuppie in the mm. 80s. Uh. Works Wall Street. Uh-huh. He um, doesn't really care for anybody or anything. He only really cares about um, his business card and how cool it looks. Yeah, sure. Mm. Now, he may not have eaten anybody in the movie, but in the novel, Patrick Bateman is a cannibal. Is sure that is. so? He has, yeah. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, I'm mm. I'm gonna say Christian Bale is a, a handsome dude, mm-hmm. but seems to me he has the same problems as Kevin. What do you think? He does have the same problems as Kevin. I'm trying to find a caveat here, uh, because you well, also have okay. So looking at your vampires kiss episode, right? And thinking about this idea of like maybe maybe none of this happened, just like in Vampire's Kiss, and it's all in his right. head and all that kind of stuff. Maybe this is a dude struggling with the expectations of the business world and uh-huh. what has been in, uh, you know forced upon him uh, in the Reagan era toxic masculinity of the time, mm. and you know he's processing not wanting to live within this cage of masculinity anymore uh-huh. in a very violent way. Okay. And you know so, what? Maybe there's some I, uh, redemption there. I respect that. Do you see what yeah. I mean about her being the intellectual face of Jack of all grades? I feel like, for me, if if it's just his fantasies because of the culture and all that stuff, and he's stifling those things, yeah. like, but but that he is still wanting to eat me. Yeah. I feel like I'll take one for the team so that he doesn't go kill a homeless person. Right? How about that? Nice. There you go. Yeah, brilliant. exactly. Uh, so eat my meat, but caveat, I don't like you. How about that? Yeah, Brett it's going to be, it's gonna be some... Bateman, yeah. He can eat my meat in the same way that Mads Mikkelsen's Hannibal can eat my meat. He's an artist. Mm. Yeah. You know, he, he puts a lot of creative thought into his murder in the novel often you know the fucking bit with the rat eviscerating the lady from the inside that is a coup de grace that is a beautiful beautiful bit of work so i would love to be a part of someone who would go that far if you're just casually gonna fucking you know munch on my flesh i'm not interested but if you're really gonna put (gasps) always using munch it's an evocative (laughs) term i love it if you're if you're gonna properly put some thought into what you do with 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 my fucking calories (laughs) <laughs> then I want to be a part of it. But if you're just going to casually fucking have some, you know, put me in a fucking a, a bun or something. No, I'm not interested. That's why, yes. Uh, Hollywood Patrick Bateman, not so much interested. Uh, Patrick Bateman on the page. Yes, I'd love to be a part of your dinner, sir. Awesome. Consider well, our meat eaten. There we go. We know who we would let eat our meat. Uh, if you have some ideas, you got some cannibals out there you mm. want to eat you. Head on over to the Facebook group and let us know. Did I like take a seat for any of those? I think I was. Most of us are in the majority. You're that very horny for Mark cannibals. Just wants to be eaten. Yeah, yeah. very horny to be eaten. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, head we really on over learned there, a lot about each other. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> after you know, after over a year on this podcast, sometimes it can feel as if there's nothing new for Mark and I to learn, and yet mm-hmm. here we are. Here we are <laughs> on this Steve. journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so. The movie we're here to talk about today is 1999's Ravenous, directed by Antonia Bird. It is something. It is a horror western about a wendigo that's, in a lot of ways, a vampire tale. And, uh, boy, let me tell you, 
I love this movie. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> anything I have to say about it beyond this, don't let that uh, skew your vision. This movie, I think, is is awesome and well worth a watch. Yes. Uh, but it is about cannibalism, yes. and particularly the Donner Party slash Alfred Packer type of stories from traveling out west in the mid um 19th century and i know Corey, that you know a little bit to a lot about that yeah yeah i am all about it so i mean it kind of is at the like intersection of several of my my interests and if you're listening to this and you listen to joe ag you know this. Uh, I love sort of weird wildernessy things. We had an episode mm-hmm. about ways you can die on hikes. Um, I <laughs> and, and we talked about the Diatlov Pass when you were on Jack of All Graves. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about cannibalism several times. I'm fascinated by that whole idea. Um, just any kind of like adventure mishap slash cannibalism is like right up all up in my my interest. So we actually had talked about. Uh, the Donner Party on Jack of All Graves fairly recently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because Mark, being British, actually was not familiar with that story. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was wild. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I guess if you think about it, that does make sense. Um, mm-hmm. But it had not like occurred to me that that was not something that just like everyone on the planet knew about. And I know mm-hmm. you have British listeners too. You have listeners from yeah, all over do. the place. So people who the probably dead and lobsters, we call them. The dead <laughs> lobsters. Nice. Um, so people who probably have no idea about that either. And one of the things that struck me in this movie um, was that it out the gate, you know, when you kind of find out you meet your um, soon to be revealed cannibal, in mm-hmm. this, uh, that he is directly pulling from the Donner Party story. So if you, you know, don't yeah. know about the Donner Party or, you know, want like a brief, brief, brief refresher of who they were, um, they were a group of people mostly made up of um, two families, the Donners and the Reeds. Uh, and it was a fairly large party. Lots of them, about half of them were actually children who were mm. during this manifest destiny journey towards westward expansion. They were making their way uh, across the United States to try to settle out in California and make their fortune out there. Now, one of the things that I like to point out about this as well is, like, these are basically rich people. They're, like, upper middle class. They're wealthy because people could not afford to move out west who were broke. (laughs) So, like, when we have this image of the Donner Party, it's always, like, this very, like, scrappy little people just trying to, like, you know, find a better life. Like, no, they had... They had plenty where they lived. They owned businesses. They were happy as could be. But they were basically given bad instructions. Um, So, you know, it was actually fairly, like, easy to go out west at that time. Like, you know, like, rich people did it all the time. And the Reed family even had, like, this really nice covered wagon that they went out there Mm. in that, like, they called it the Pioneer Palace. Uh, because it was just like, you know, it had multiple floors in it and was like what? really fancy. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was a multi-floor covered wagon with like a big feather bed that they put the like mother-in-law in and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they ha- they were guided by a book that was written by a guy named Lansford W. Hastings. And so this is what's alluded to in this movie. And the, the book was called The Emigrant's Guide to Oregon and California. And this book 
claimed to basically have a shortcut out there. Like, oh yeah, if you take this one path, you're going to end up uh, getting here like way quicker than you would otherwise. And that path was essentially set up so that you would end up having to like patronize several of Hastings' own businesses along the way. Uh, oh. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about this is that like James Reed, so, uh, you know, it's called the Donner Reed Party because one of the families reads. James Reed is the patriarch of that family. He ran into a friend of his named James Clyman who said to him, quote, don't take this shortcut. Lansford Hastings doesn't know what he's talking about. He, in <laughs> fact, has never taken this cutoff himself. I advise you strongly, don't take it. Stick to the known California trail. Don't take this shortcut that's going to save you time because it won't. <laughs> Lansford Hastings is one of history's biggest pricks, isn't he? Oh, straight up. <laughs> it's, it should be like a household name. He's like such a giant dick yeah. uh, because you know, he is the reason these people ended up having to eat each other. I think it's interesting. I, I We'll talk about it a little bit more with this movie. Like, I had never really realized that the dangers in Westerns are the results of imperialism. Mm-hmm. Like, we're treating these people like heroes when they're the villains. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and interesting in this also that the danger ended up being capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism exactly. is what killed these people. That's 100% the case. Which is probably why they had to make it a big news story and spin it a different way, right? <laughs> because otherwise right. it's like, oh, capitalism's actually really bad. We should probably regulate this. Yeah, no. And heaven forbid, that's the last thing that you want in the age of manifest destiny is right. regulated capitalism. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, the more sensational story of these people eating each other is what you actually get out of it. But you see mm. in the movie even, like, the the portrait of the people that he travels with. So there's six of them there. And it mm. does look like these, like, scrappy little guys, you know? Right. Like, this crew, you know, coming together. We this... just scraped these few pennies together, yeah, and now we're going now to our California. our ragtag crew is going out to uh-huh. California, as opposed to a crew of, like, you know, mostly these two families, a couple other families with them, a big posse, lots of you know, oxen, livestock, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff with them, which he does say, you know, oh, we had to eat the story he tells. We had to eat our livestock. We had to eat these. I even had to eat my dog. All of that stuff is very much what these people went through. Now Mm -hmm. to, you know, again, cut all this short. There's a lot that happens here. A lot of terrible stuff goes on because of this shortcut. They end up hitting snow. Uh, And once you get these snowstorms coming through, which also happen to come through like three weeks early in October, earlier than they would normally come through, you're fucked. (laughs) Like your your trip is over. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. You're done here. And so they got stuck. They had to build these like makeshift shelters and just stay in them for months at a time. And of course, people started dying off. Um, And so for like one of these, like they kind of set up these little settlements and the wolves started eating the bodies and so yeah the the mothers were like well if someone's gonna eat the bodies it might as well be us instead of the wolves which are fair yeah it's fair like listen if i die and you're starving please eat me right yeah so you know it seems like a, a valid thing to do but also this group set out of them like of a couple of the stronger men um and a couple of miwok guides these are indians who they Mm -hmm. um, encountered who had saved their shit from dying before 
they set out to try to find help. They called this group the Forlorn Hope. They set out to find help. Um, one of them died on that trip, and they mm. ate him. And they oh. quickly realized, hey, this is a thing we can do. So they killed the Miwoks, uh, mm. and they ate them as well. Yeah. Uh, and That sounds pretty American. It's been, yeah. yeah, you know what's the most American thing about this? They then get their necks saved again by wandering into a Miwok village. Oh, no. Not mentioning that they had just killed two of them, and those people took them in and finally were able to uh, get those last people uh, <sighs> who had been left behind. So that's kind of where, you know, this story comes from, which is also mixed in um, with some other cannibalism stories that have happened in other survival situations. But the story that he tells to that group is kind of directly taken from what happened here. Yeah. And so the, what we have here is uh, uh, his name is, is actually Ives, though he presents himself as Calhoun. Um, Calhoun yeah. Uh, yeah. What we have here is, is a guy who shows up. Yeah, telling basically the the Donner Party story. He also says he's from Scotland, which is kind of a probably a, a, a nod to the Sonny Bean clan. Um, also, he is uh, he is skinny, looking as though he's not eaten um, and, and looking really pale. Now, this is interesting because this um, goes into the Wendigo tale that they they tell that the um, what is his name? I can't remember. I wrote uh, everybody George. down. George. <laughs> George, yes. Yeah, that George tells them. He has that uh, sort of deerskin with the, the story of the Wendigo. Yes. Uh, Wendigo, from uh, most like presentations of him through the stories, Wendigo always appears as skinny and sort of malnourished, even though it may eat constantly. It, it, it's a representation of its constant need for consumption right and so we we get robert carlisle and guy pierce both looking very skinny and sort of malnourished throughout even when they do eat right so i think it's interesting that it starts with the introduction of this sort of uh duality of guy pierce is this wendigo who doesn't want to eat he's clinging to morality and then ives is embracing his nature as a Wendigo and consuming as much as he wants and actually trying to set up a, a waypoint to just consume people as they come through. So uh, the the sort of uh, duality throughout this, the, the odds are two people who do want to eat people. Like there, there's this constant need and urge to eat people and one chooses morality. Whereas the other one says morality is the last bastion of a coward. Right. So he's, and and obviously the, the movie's not presenting Guy Pierce's character Boyd in any way other than a coward. Right. He is a coward. Yeah. Uh, but we see his choice as moral, mm. despite the fact that he is correct. It is cowardice that stops him from meeting uh, other people. So that's kind of the setup of, of the whole movie that's going on here, but I think the the central idea of the Wendigo is something that probably not everyone knows about. So, Mark, do you know much about the Wendigo? So, I mean, again, it's something that Corey and I spoke about on an, uh, 
I think one of several chats we've had about cannibalism. <laughs> um, it comes up than, a lot. It's a thing yeah, for me. It's it a hang does, up. It does. It does. So it's 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 more of a it's more of a, a syndrome, right? Wendigo is more of a psychosis. Yes, yeah. and, and not from like a obviously the movie is presenting this as like an actual religious yeah. right. thing, but yeah, from they, a, they get superpowers from this, right? Yeah. <laughs> times that it's been observed you know times that it's uh, so think uh, I mean uh, Ravenous takes place in Quebec I believe is that right no I think it's it's oh, California. Uh, California yeah yeah uh-huh. uh, Wendigo psychosis it, it's something that is uh, kind of thought of alongside the Algonquin indigenous mm-hmm. living in kind of Canada right. and northeastern yeah. US yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's a it's a conviction in the sufferer that they're possessed by this flesh-eating monster yeah this wendigo manifested like you said as this this skinny kind of ever ravenous fucking ever starving demon um yeah but in those suffering from wendigo syndrome it 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 uh, it's associated with depression with violence with this desire for human flesh and occasionally even cannibalism it's more of a in reality more of a psychosis than it is anything else is it like so you said it's been observed in mm. people, like modern people. I'm just very curious as to what the like how this psychosis yeah. like manifests or whatever, where they've seen I'm it, things like pretty that. Pretty sure that it's also largely bullshit. That's the really interesting thing about it. I'm pretty sure that it's also something that uh, those who discovered it kind of impressed on the people they found it in. Oh, okay. See, that's interesting. <laughs> so we're thinking uh, Quebec, kind of um, United States, Canada, right up in the north. Okay. And the tales go that Wendigo is is the 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 kind of the spirit of a fucking lost hunter, yes. And this this guy's intense fucking hunger drives him to cannibalism. The syndrome is associated with uh, in depression, with psychosis, with loneliness, with uh, an obsession, and often the kind of actuation of eating human flesh. Right. Okay. Okay. However, there's lots of suggestion. The more you read about Wendigo, the more you get the impression that it's actual bullshit that kind of <laughs> non-indigenous people would just say about tribes that they discovered uh, as a you know a pretense that they can use to just shoot a bunch of them. Ah. So basically, they're like, "Yo, these people in these tribes, they're like, yeah. they've got this Wendigo the guy thing got and fucking they... man flesh fever, lock and load, you know." <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Yeah, that's... damn it. That's not our history. Yeah, Ugh. that's not hard to believe. I mean, no. Yeah, that's something you take like the lore that is within tribes already, then kind of use it as you know you a justification for yeah. eradicating them or things like that. Not and uh, by that. I understand why you asked if this is in Quebec because the Wendigo is a uh, uh, Quebec, Nova Scotia mm-hmm. area thing. Uh, what? would be in the Pacific Northwest would have been a Wechuge, which is a similar thing, but the the mythology is a little bit different. I talk about it in our previous episode, so if you want to go hear me go into that, go check it out. But basically, they just appropriated the Wendigo into California. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, fair enough. A little bit easier, I guess. Yeah. Um, this- so this this movie actually started with a different director... <laughs> and I I think that some of this comes through because I I, I the tone of this movie to me is all off. over the fucking yeah. place. 
imagine it's it, not bad. No, it can't I mean, have been an easy one to. Different. It can't have been an easy sell, an easy pitch. It can't have been an right. easy movie to get made. Yeah. Right, because it it's um it's definitely like it's a it's a dark comedy western horror. Right, and that especially along with the music, which we'll talk about, <laughs> especially along with the music, plays in a real interesting fashion that you just don't see a lot. It does remind me some of spaghetti westerns mm-hmm. um, and a little bit sometimes of giallo. So it, yeah. it seems to have, you know, some good roots yeah. in what it's trying to be. Or even again, to keep bringing this movie up, but I think it's hard not to parallel things with vampires to this too. Like Vampire's right. Kiss, where you're like, the tone of yeah. this is like, like, is this a comedy? Is this a harm? Like, what exactly it, is this? It's hard to tell, you know, what's intentional and what isn't. Right. Um, and that it's, you'd, it, you'd suggested that I watch the trailer for yes, this. The trailer is insane. And the trailer for this movie, Mark, you've got to watch it as well. It's, I mean, it's very 90s. And I'm, <laughs> it's weird when you look at 90s trailers, how they always mm. had to have that voiceover telling you yeah. what your Mr. Movie Phone voice, who's always telling you what is <laughs> happening in, in this. Yeah. And so you have one of these, like, these voiceovers trying to tell you the story. And then one of the things that, I mean, <laughs> it almost fits. Because one of the things, like, when you start this movie, you know when... um uh what's his face um jeffrey jones colonel hart he's introducing all of your characters and they're like flashing to each one of them and it's like Mm -hmm. almost like a teen comedy like when they're introducing you to people in the lunchroom and (laughs) that's kind of what is happening in this trailer and it's like this zany adventure and honestly it's so weird and does not sell the movie at all but at the same time it fits can i just get this question out jeffrey jones is he a pedo yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a, Piece in shit. your words, a nonce. A nonce. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I had this yeah. in the back of my head. Was wondering, did he get, did he get busted for noncery? Yeah. And you know well, what? Yeah, now that like, now that I know it, mm. when I see him in things, I'm like, he looks like a pedophile. It's like Yeah, it was uncomfortable. We it. recently did uh, Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. to see him touching Winona Ryder yeah. was like, oh no, mm. gross. Nope. Do not want. Do not want. Okay, At least this okay, is a movie okay. with all grown men, basically. But okay. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the tone, especially yeah, in the the trailer was it was selling it as a comedy. It feels like yeah. And I did you know uh, watching some interviews with Robert Carlyle and and hearing uh, Antonia Bird talk about it. They did talk about the uh, comedic elements as being very important, uh, and they wanted them to come through. I, I feel like maybe they did the horror too well. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe So that that's the comedy it. becomes like, wait, where, what is this? Because, like, you have that super tense situation in the cave that just builds and builds and builds, and Robert Carlyle's acting more and more insane. And then um, he goes to fire the gun at uh, Jeremy Davies' uh, <laughs> Toffler. Yeah. He goes to fire the gun at Toffler, and it misfires. And suddenly it just becomes like a snarky 90s <laughs> comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's he's like, like what? what? He says, like, that's annoying or something yeah. like that to him. Like, he has a couple quips throughout this movie yeah. that are like that. Like, even in their sort of final battle with each other when mm-hmm. he says, like, ooh, that was clever. And, like, yeah. things like that where you're like, what? Yeah, are you a comic book villain? Yeah. Yeah. 
It's interesting. I like it though. That's like it works. That's the thing that I keep coming back to is like while watching this movie, I'm always like, "What is this tone?" But then when I'm done with the movie, I'm like, "Yeah, that was good. I like that. Yeah. That was a good movie." But I'm so on I'm board. still still trying to nail down what that uh, they were actually going for. But I think uh, kind of what happened is the original director uh, Milcho Minchevsky. He had been working on the movie, you know, in pre-production and stuff, and had actually been in production for two to three weeks before he left the project. And um, if you go back to our original episode on this, you'll hear I I talk about how uh, the studio was micromanaging and he just uh, he also had presented them with like some production ideas like two weeks ahead of time that would have added two more weeks to the shooting schedule and he got told no, and that was kind of pissing him off. Uh, but then they, once he left, the Laura Ziskin, who was accused of being the micromanaging uh, executive, she brought on Raja Gosnell, who he's directed some movies that <laughs> some garbage. So they're garbage. Yeah. yeah, he's directed a lot of garbage movies, and the cast just rejected him. They were just like, no, wow. we're not going to work with him. And Robert Carlyle was like, listen, uh, my pal Antonia will come down and direct it. She's great. She had done, he had done a couple movies with her and they had a sort of joint venture production company together. Uh, she came down one week of preparation basically and started working on this movie that was already in process. Wow. So you can see why there might be some shifts in tone mm-hmm. and, and some, some weirdness going on here. But at but, the same time, yeah, that doesn't make it's a for choice, obviously. Yeah, and it doesn't make for like a jarring like, oh, this is the part this person directed and this is the part this person directed. Right. You know, yeah. it doesn't have like a it's not disjointed in no, its, it's tonal not. shifts. It makes no. sense. It coheres. It's just tonally all over the place. Yeah. Um, it really is. And I think, yeah, what you said about like, yeah, maybe the horror is too good, or one of my favorite things about this movie is every reveal in it is mm-hmm. done incredibly yeah. um, and i don't know if this struck either of you guys watching it but i just think you know there are multiple times where something happens that is surprising to you that is a huge reveal right one of the first ones being when neil mcdonough is in the cave and he counts oh, yeah. the the skeletons and he's like uh-huh. wait how many people were supposed to be in this party uh-huh. and you realize like oh That's shit fantastic you know <laughs> like he's yeah. and he drops the the lantern and starts running and he's like this it's a trap he admiral bars out of there mm-hmm. um and like it's such a a good moment where you're like oh holy shit and then you start seeing what's happening outside as he's you know, digging up like a dog, trying yeah. to, you know, all that stuff. And you're seeing him go crazier. Um, so good in that. We'll so talk good. about Robert Carlyle more. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna let Mark talk about Robert Carlyle a little bit. But yeah. um, you also get like the moment where, um, where uh, Colonel Hart comes back. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, you see. That's a big like, <laughs> what? Yeah, like, wait, what is going on here? You know, the other guy gets decapitated the drunk guy um yeah and all of it, like and and it's the build-up to it because you don't really get what's going on like so um boyd is sitting there and he's like how did you kill the horse to ives he's like how did you kill the horses and yeah. um you know david arquette's character he's like how did you do that i've been watching you this whole time mm-hmm. and then you realize there's another person there yeah. when he cuts off the head of the other dude 
and you know now he's back and you're like what is going on here like there's multiple reveals like that throughout this movie that are just so incredibly well done and there's like humor to those reveals as well there's like it's just I don't know it's superbly done to me anytime I get to like Mm. you know something surprising me like that so well I'm just like ooh ooh gives me tingles the one that uh, you didn't mention that I think uh, really got me the first time I watched it and then really got me again watching it. I had forgotten about it. Uh, whenever uh, Calhoun, basically, he's escaped Calhoun and he's back at the yes. fort and nobody believes yes, him. And then Colonel Ives shows up yes. and it's Calhoun. Oh, my God. Like, what the fuck? That's and just he comes a, in looking like, all slick and clean yeah. and like handsome. And you're like, uh-huh. And and uh, Boyd just like collapses. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a great. I mean, like it's such a great reveal. I had completely forgot. I had like in my mind he was just Ives the whole time. Right, I had forgotten so he going. was this like desperate guy in the beginning, and that was just like part of the trap. But yeah, the reveals are really well done. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we got to talk about it. Robert Carlyle, yeah, who plays do. Ives and Calhoun, is outstanding in this role we do mm-hmm. i know that he did beautifully right for a british actor there was a time there uh-huh. kind of late 90s early noughties where he seemed he, he seemed always front and center of whatever you were seeing robert Carlyle was everywhere but since then i don't know ravenous he went on to do james bond right after didn't he that was like immediately right. his next thing yeah it the seemed world is not enough uh-huh. that was where he fucking peaked over here in the uk you immediately associate him with, uh, you know, he was in a lot of pretty gritty TV. He was in train spotting, exactly as well. that. He, was, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, he did a lot of TV. He was in Cracker, which was fantastic. But that was where he peaked. He was in a movie called The Full Monty, which is a. a, a That's uh-huh. what I think of. There every you go. Yeah. Exactly. That's the That's first time I'd ever heard of That's him. That's what that. you think of him has. Um, yeah. but for somebody as intensely believable, intensely relatable, very human. Proper, fucking sharp, handsome, piercing guy. Mm-hmm. It it felt to me as though he should be he should have been getting the same kind of roles as your Gary Oldman's. He should yeah. have been, you know, he should have been. I don't know. It felt like there was way more that Gary Oldman had in the tank than what yeah. he ended up doing. He ended up. You mean um, Robert Carlyle? Sorry, of course, of course, of yeah. course, Robert yeah. Carlyle. He went on. T- he was like a TV staple. He was in fucking, you know, the the. 24 redemption you know what i mean he was doing that kind of thing <laughs> in the in is that the, the one that had freddie prince jr in it? it yeah it could have been it could have been no it was the tv movie a bit later on oh okay um i think he had way 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 more to offer than ended up he was rumpelstiltskin for fuck's sake in once upon a yeah. time yeah he was so good in that <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that holy cow that's awesome. There was yeah, I mean he he's great. Yeah, he is oh, he's yeah. fantastic, and he still is. But you know, what could have been with Robert Carlyle? What could have been? Yeah, because yeah. he's one of those people who I think, in general, people would recognize his face. Like yeah. if you yeah, you were like, yeah, this guy. They'd be like, yeah, I've seen him in something. But he absolutely isn't the kind of person that I think you could just walk up to anybody and be like, hey, you know Robert yeah. Carlyle, and they'd know who that was. They could I used to fan cast him in stuff. Um, mm. Do you ever read Preacher, <laughs> the comic Preacher? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, okay. Back in the day, I would I used to fan cast a version of a, a Preacher movie in my head, and Robert Carlyle was my dream Cassidy. He would have mm. been 
a young okay. Robert Carlyle would have been so 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 good in that role um, and it would have been a young Fassbender as uh, Jesse Custer alongside <laughs> Robert Carlyle that was my my, my, my dream cast for awesome yeah, yeah. Uh, to this day <laughs> I occasionally zone out and watch that film in my head <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think there was his his there was an alternate universe career for Robert Carlyle that wasn't the one that we got. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. And there's no um, reason that we shouldn't have when we see performances like this and like in everything that he turns yeah. out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I think uh, Guy Pierce also does a great job in this, especially considering most of his role is silent. Like mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't actually say anything for the first 25 minutes of the movie. Right. Um, he's he's doing a lot by not doing a lot, and I like those sort of performances because he's he's really like taking you through his torture, yeah, while not saying so much. Yeah, you yeah. can see it on his face. You see it in the way he walks. You see it in the way he you know just barely touches his food and stuff. He's he's, he's disgusted with. He's himself. another guy who brushed. Yeah, with colossal superstardom, yeah. isn't he? He's another guy who kind of mm-hmm. nudged up against absolute permanent tom cruise-esque superstardom right. yeah. and i think guy pierce is more of like household name everyone could point oh, him yeah. out in a lineup but it's exactly mm. the same where it's like he's still not i don't think he ever became the leading man that he was on the trajectory yeah to become yeah. it's crazy but Just there's one two super handsome dudes yeah should be the leads of movies the, there was a point in this it was during that reveal that i was talking about with the realizing that now colonel hart has come back where Literally, he makes a sound like it's kind of like a grunt, and that <laughs> what does is it sound like, like do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Do the grunt. <laughs> not even gonna attempt to do <laughs> the guy Pierce grunt. I don't... <laughs> it's like a Tim Allen sort of situation. Colonel Hart comes in. He just goes. Uh? <laughs> very, very and then subtle. Al's there. Work. I don't think so, very Tim. Subtle work. Yo. <laughs> Um, no, but he just does this like sound that somehow is perfect for the moment. He doesn't yeah. say yeah. something. He doesn't just look. He manages to make a sound yeah. that perfectly captures the reaction you would have to what has just occurred. And yeah. I, there's something in me when an actor can make a choice like that completely agree. Mm-hmm. that i really respect because stuff yeah. like that can come off as cartoonish it can come off as forced yep. any number of things but instead you're just like yeah that's what you would do that's the sound yep. that would come out of you hmm. when this happens uh and i thought like i think that's just there's something about that performance like you said he's not there's not a lot of speaking in right. this role and yet he manages to convey so much yeah uh, speaking of how awesome Guy Pierce and Robert Carlyle are, they actually uh, coordinated that final fight well, themselves. Well, 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 well. Yeah. And wow. you can kind of tell because it's more visceral mm-hmm. and more exactly what you would do yeah. to a person that you just want. Like, their relationship develops into perfect mirror hate where um, Guy Pierce hates him. He hates uh, Ives for indulging, and Ives hates Guy Pierce for not indulging. Right. Um, and uh, it's also interesting to me, Robert Carlyle. I mean, I I noticed it, but Robert Carlyle confirmed it. There is um, there is a an attraction between mm-hmm. them. There is there is some queerness here. Right. Where Robert Carlyle. Uh, uh, said that he saw Colonel Ives as not only wanting to eat 
Boyd, but wanting to have Boyd. Maybe as, as a little a lover. Uh, vororophilia, perhaps. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the, it's interesting the way that they their dynamic is because uh, Boyd is, as you said, he's quiet, doesn't say much. He looks constantly like he's uncomfortable, etc. Whereas... Ives is comfortable in any situations, including walking into a fort where he has just killed five of the right. inhabitants and one of them saw it. He just walks right in like, <laughs> no, that wasn't me. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. So their, their mirror hate is really great. And I, I, I think they play it up really well. Yeah. It's an interesting sort of reflection of, I mean, they, I don't know. It's like, I think that there's something to like, obviously you can see that Boyd hates that he indulges and that it is a reflection of like what he wants deeply, but must mm -hmm. force himself not to do. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure like from the other angle of that, Ives being like anyone who is doing something hugely immoral that they know to be a thing they should not do, but are deeply enjoying is looking at this very virtuous person as like just mm -hmm. just give in this isn't yeah. you know we all we all will give yeah, in yeah. to to this stuff eventually right. and is so frustrated by this person who refuses to you know to indulge the way that he has that it's not the human condition that there is actually a choice i wonder how deep he went i mean he's He's known as one of these performers who... Yeah, he gets into his role. Yes, he fucking does. Much, yeah. See, uh, despite the fact that he's a meme, right? Christian Bale is a fucking meme, you know? But <laughs> I, I cannot help but fucking adore the commitment that he throws into his role, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, from a physical point of view, from a mental point of view... My respect, weirdly, my respect for Christian Bale skyrocketed after he lost his shit on the set of Terminator Salvation. <laughs> Holy shit. Everybody else laughed. I was like, what a fucking actor. What a performer. <laughs> that yeah. he will completely lose all sense of, of, you know, his own fucking sense of scale and perspective and yeah, dignity. Yeah, Over his role as John Connor in Terminator Salvation. <laughs> I love that. And by all accounts, Carlisle is one of these guys. I mean, um... In uh, late 90s, 95, 96, he uh, worked with Ken Loach, British director, fantastic British director on a film called Carla Song, played a bus driver. What did he do to prepare? He studied and passed the fucking test for a bus driver oh. in Glasgow. You know what I mean? Nice. That's awesome. Exactly. He's one of these performers. So you wonder how deep he went. Did he perhaps eat the meat? He tasted of the forbidden meat. Mm. You know, I did see that um, in the United States, technically... Mm. It is legal to eat human meat, and, and this is, it is yeah, as it is in South Africa. There's no law against uh -huh. cannabis no law against in it. South Africa. There are in various states certain things that make it pretty impossible for you to manage to actually. Right, do so it. encouraged, yeah. It's not encouraged, mm. and they'll find ways to make it so that yeah, it'd be very difficult for you to actually get away. Desecration with it. But, of a corpse is yeah. usually yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, one of my fixations regarding cannibalism has to do with a guy. Uh, who made foot tacos for his friends after he had his yes. foot amputated. Uh, Tell me about it. And so, you know, this guy, he had it amputated. He was like, that you can take it home. Uh, and, you know, you can, if you want, there's no law against you doing this. It was, you're, it's not desecration of a corpse. The guy's still alive. Um, yeah. You know, there's no reason that you can't do what you want with that. And so he invited friends over. 
yep. made some, you know, foot asada tacos and <laughs> they ate them together because technically that's fully legal. So, you know, our man, Robert Carlyle, who knows? He may have been able to. Maybe so. He may have I, been able to dive into that. There's a, there's a Stephen King short story called Survivor Type, right? And I, I don't, okay. it was in Four Past Midnight or one of his anthologies. Uh, and it's about a geezer, a criminal who gets, uh, he's escaping from like his last big score, la la la. And the plane he's on crashes and he finds himself washed up on an island. And to sustain himself, he's got oh. some medical training. And to sustain himself, he cuts off bits of himself and eats. Oh, I know this. Yes, because it was yes. in Creepshow. Yeah, the two. Creepshow animated special. Yeah, or the, okay, yeah, 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 the animated it. special. And um, auto cannibalism. It was so gross that I come yeah. like my mother watches horror movie all day, all night. She has seen multiple human centipede movies. Mm. She is not a squeamish person. I turned it on last Thanksgiving or Christmas, whatever day it came out, and my whole family made me turn it off because that was so gross. It's brutal. It was I so think brutal. Kiefer Sutherland was the voice of the guy. Oh, really? I think it was. I don't, yeah. I don't it's sure. good. It's worth checking out. It Next time good. we get Eileen on Joag, that's one I'd love to pose to her. Next time we get the medical fucking authority Ooh, medical on Joag, I'd love to know exactly how long you know will the calories you ingest from your own body parts, you know, balance out the blood loss and the fucking shock and the trauma from oh, removing yeah. said body parts. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. This is not interesting. Even <laughs> on this note, like one of the things that this movie also does really well is make eating absolutely horrific. Oh, yeah. And yes, obviously as a non meat eater. I haven't yeah. seen Ravenous in many, many years. I saw it yeah. very soon after it was released. And I haven't seen it since, but that's one of the things from this film that has stuck with me. Yeah. It, yeah. it you know, that opening dining scene is just yep. oh, all the oh, way God. through. You know that eating is wrong in that film. Mm-hmm. Eating yeah. is something not that, that you know that you shouldn't be fucking doing. Close-ups yep. of broth and fucking watery soups with chunks mm-hmm. of nondescript fucking meat. <laughs> yeah, it's even said like Colonel Hart says, you know, uh, at like near the beginning of this movie, like you probably shouldn't eat, but you know most of us have to. So yeah. it's kind of set up even without the sort of context of cannibalism and everything mm. as this sort of necessary grotesque activity that Ta-boom. you're a part of. Yeah. And every time someone eats in it, it is grotesque. You get close-ups of people's mouths. Mm-hmm. You get slurping. You get the thing that I, I can't describe why this is so gross, but it's disgusting. When people hold a spoon with like their whole fist yeah, you know, or like a fork. That does gross me It's out. disgusting. And it's just like something about uncouth. that maybe is, yeah, it's uncouth. It's like, I think... It gives you this like shoveling sort of yeah. thing that makes it. I don't know. It it gets your hackles up when you see someone do it. And several mm-hmm. of these guys, you know, you see these kind of yeah. like almost like canted angles of them shoveling food into their mouth with a closed fist. Mads um, Mickelson would never hold a spoon with a closed fist. Would never. Never. Do never. You know what? I changed my mind. My I'm, I'm over the cop thing. He can eat my meat. It's fine. <laughs> he can totally. The more have we it. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> the more comfortable I am with him. Well, I'm glad you, you went back to it and, and kind of what we were just talking about. But there's something not not for everyone and not not for me in particular, but there's something apparently sexy about cannibalism, mm. blood drinking that, you know, yeah. uh, people are into vampires. <sighs> yeah, people, people are, are into, into werewolves. They're into the idea of being consumed in mm-hmm. some way. Yeah. What is that? Where does this come from? Yeah, it's such a good question. 
is it the like ultimate people. act of submission? Is that what it is? Mm. Is it the ultimate act of literally, I can't give enough of myself to you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's huh. that's an I interesting like that. thought. Yeah, yeah it, submission, intimacy, you know, how much closer can you be sort of, you right. know, wearing someone like a tauntaun? Uh, like then inside the center of them that is as close you can be yeah. inside of someone but you know it's funny because it's like vampires cannibals things like that all of right. this is are amongst the things that i find most disgusting and repulsive me too in yeah. these things but yeah. so many people find them to be like super sexy, sexy. love that yeah. idea of you know sucking A the vampire blood out of biting into your neck oh yeah yeah Ooh. and so gross <laughs> watching this it is very clear um yeah that i don't but even like you said there's like this homoerotic subtext there's something yeah. about that consumption about wanting to you know uh i mean i mean really let me recontextualize that final scene for you where they're um uh in the jaws of a large bear trap on top of each other basically one says bro if you die i'm gonna eat you and the other says bro, I'm never going to eat you. <laughs> and they lay on top of each other yeah. and stare into each other's eyes and die together. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. It's very sexy. I mean, it's, it's like, like a sexual moment. Yeah. yeah. It is. It absolutely yeah. is. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's as simple as that sort of, you know, consumption as being the ultimate sort of intimate yeah. act. Intimate. Or as Mark yeah. said, maybe submission or domination yeah. for that matter from maybe it's both there i mean maybe like rob maybe you know uh boyd is is ultimately submitted submitting to him he's like i'm right here you can eat me yeah uh we're in the jaws uh, of this together basically you've got uh ives trying to draw him in and be like no you need need to do this you you need to consume me so that you submit entirely. There, there's a lot going on there between them and their, you know, their their dynamic is constantly this fight for superiority in some way. Whether mm -hmm. it's like having the high ground, yeah, mor the moral morally high ground or, or like physically, physically, any... yeah, like they're they're yeah. just constantly at odds with each other but constantly with each other it's mm -hmm. like it's like a hatred that is a love situation uh, yeah and one of the things about this is you know they are very similar looking yeah they in are. this movie and so you always have this everything about them is a duality everything about them is mm -hmm. this like you know satan and god or like right. some sort of like these are two parts of the same whole yeah uh and they are reacting to the exact same things in opposite ways and ever frustrated with each other for these things being sort of the angel on one shoulder or the devil on the other as one person and so there's a part of that i think that inherently makes you see that they need to be one and the yeah. only way it's like a Harry Potter situation, you know, the only way they can be one is by killing the other or something yeah. like that. And they die together and it kind of unifies the two yeah. of them in that. So there's something kind of, I don't know, that they're inherently has, they are opposites of each other um, that need to be sort of pieced, put back together in some yeah. way. 
I think that's interesting too because uh, of the way it ends with Martha seeing them and mm-hmm. then just walking just away. Leaving. It's almost <laughs> like, I mean, one, it's like she sees, well, it's over, though it's right. not. Uh, right, and off, then you see the that the other douchebag come in and soup. have some yeah. soup. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she, in one way, she's seeing it as over, but in another way, it's almost like it's complete. Like they're right. together now. Like, this was this always a, how it was going to happen. Yeah, the these two halves had to come together to be this whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think I I like that dynamic and and I like the way they played it up. You know, we haven't really talked much about this. Yeah, you know, we talked about how gross the eating <laughs> is in this, but this is really like. So much of the scenes are just about consumption in general, about, right. you know, whether, you know, e- eating a human, eating food, drinking, like you have the the one uh, guy, what's his name, Knox, who is mm-hmm. just constantly yeah, drunk. Passed out drunk. Uh, you have uh, uh, David Arquette, who's in this movie, by the way. Um, yeah. David <laughs> Arquette is constantly yeah. consuming <laughs> drugs. Like, yeah. they're all constantly intaking something and except for guy pierce like guy pierce is anti-consumption entirely like he even his consumption that turns him into the wendigo was an accident yeah it's not on purpose yeah yeah and a movie that's about like ostensibly i mean it's the mexican-american war you're talking about people during period of westward expansion and things like that to have this uh look at the what happens when you overconsume and you take and you know mm-hmm. you are singularly focused yeah it's called on... ravenous for fuck's sake the entire yeah exactly is it is ravenous. in the title <laughs> we're not just talking about the fact that people eat people we're talking about all the ways in which yeah. uh particularly white euro men mm-hmm. are uh ravenous for everything, everything. around them yeah. you know and uh i think that that's very apt to set that in a western setting you could put this movie at some other time but considering what's going on at that particular moment it's perfect to (laughs) look at all the ways in which these men uh are insatiable in their need for whatever thing that they come across whatever you know fills them but doesn't you know they can never get enough of it whether they pass out drunk whether they're super high and rolling around on the ground whether they're you know eating all of this flesh and remaining gaunt they're just more persistent consumers yeah yeah and you have the one you know indigenous woman left at the end of it just like ah fuck me i'm walking away (laughs) 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 these white men are dangerous yeah all right one last thing we really got to deal with is the the music and the sound effects throughout because that is where some of the tone really becomes hard to reckon reconcile almost immediately uh you know we're given the nietzsche quote and it's like Mm -hmm. okay we're getting into a horror movie all right nietzsche gotcha and then (laughs) <laughs> out of nowhere an anonymous quote that just says eat me with <laughs> the sound of an arrow striking a target yeah Boing. it's so adam's family values it's yeah it's like <laughs> what what is this 
<laughs> um, and also the way the the opening titles and stuff play out, they don't. They're silly. It's a little silly and late nineties e. Yes. For a movie that's trying to capture a period. Right. That's There's not like, the nineties. Yeah, weird computer generated musical sounds. There's one of the things that I think is really interesting in it is uh the scene where we're seeing um Boyd come to the encampment for the first time. Yeah. There is like this light motif of the itsy bitsy spider in the music. <laughs> okay. So you hear like awesome. in this yeah this like weird um like I don't know. I don't know what you would call that kind of music. I'm sure Ben could describe it much better. Oh, but yeah, there certainly. is but this thread going through it. Like at first, kind of, I was like, this little part sounds a little like the Itsy Bitsy Spider. And then throughout the course of this, you're like, yeah, no, it's definitely the Itsy Bitsy Spider. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll have to I pay attention to that. I yeah. didn't hear it. That's cool. <laughs> I was, and that was, I was sitting there, I was like, does that mean something? Was there a reason that they decided well, I mean, that he's kind of. You said it yourself. That's a late motif. It's using the same yeah. motif to generate the same kind of effect. Yeah. yeah, where they where they want to use it. Um, He's yeah. kind of spiderous in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, what does that mean to this character to introduce him with the or it's bring him into painting, the... isn't it? It's like a tone mm-hmm. kind of poem. Yeah, says is is that uh, dissonance that you talked about? Is that a holdover from uh, the change in production? Is that a, a holdover mm. from having the kind of you know one director leaving another taking over at such short notice? Did it start off life as a totally different tonal mm. film that it ended mm. up being? I think some of these were uh, the production company's choice because I know Anthony Bird wasn't happy with some of the things, including that uh, sort of open and title bit. Like, mm. so I I think they got it and they were like, "Well, we can't we can't sell a horror movie. Let's sell a comedy." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but I mean, the music it itself uh, was intentional, and that. Mm-hmm. There are times when I think it's a little jarring, but I actually do love it. Um, yeah. It's it's by um, uh, Michael Nyman, who's done a ton of stuff, including uh, uh, the piano and stuff, and also Damon Alburn yeah. from. That's just, the Blur I saw that in the opening Holy titles, shit, and I was I like, knew that. Yeah. "Fucking hell, I've just forgotten that." I think Michael Nyman's dead, now, isn't he? Oh. Uh, I believe so. Mm. I'm not sure. Well, maybe that's but- Mick Kamen. I'm thinking of. You know, when um, I opened up and it said Damon Albarn's name, I was like, yeah. wait, like Holy that one? Shit, I've just like gorillas? Like yeah. blur? What? Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, wild to see that, but also it was like, okay, that maybe that explains some of the, I don't know, the, the ways that it, it sticks itself out there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know when the music's playing. It's never like uh, seamlessly part yeah. of the, the, the rest mm. of the movie. It's like, right. oh no. We're hearing that keyboard type of thing yeah. going on. Like, that's a little chintzy and a little cheesy, but also, like, it works. You kind of yeah. fall in love with it. Yeah, you've got a lot of, like, weird little, like, sort of staccato notes that are just kind of back and forth in yeah. there. Like, things that are kind of minimalist, but very kind mm-hmm. of like someone's poking at you in yeah. it. Um, that brings a lot of tension into the movie it's it's genre bending it is not which makes mm-hmm. sense you know when you're talking about like gorillas right <laughs> like right, stuff like yeah. that like this is not one genre of band um and you get a lot of it's... like sometimes there's like guitars mixed mm-hmm. in with this like old school strings is david yeah. Albon most known for gorillas over there then not blur 
I mean, at this point, probably. I mean, also, I think if you just ask people in general who that is, they wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. I don't think yeah. most people would even know. Yeah, but Blur didn't hit over here as yeah, hard Blur as Gorillaz. Yeah, Blur has one song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Gorillaz has continuous hits here okay. as opposed to just one. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the music in this is, it is always jarring. Yeah, um, it is. And always, you know, kind of getting your your heart rate up, getting you stressed out mm -hmm. about whatever is happening yeah. um, in this movie. The entire scene with the cave and that whole reveal and, oh, man. and you know, the digging outside and all of that stuff. That tension is like, just building and building and building. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And the music to that is very much just sort of meant to kind of like keep you on edge like you don't uh -huh. get to relax at all while yeah. this is happening you know it just pink 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 just poking at you as Ugh. it goes you know but don't love you love it. a dissonant movie though mm -hmm. you know isn't mm -hmm. surely what ravenous became is way more interesting than it would have been had it just been yes you know a, a, a weird comedy about mm -hmm. outback cannibalism or just a completely fucking self-serious drama right yeah you know, Which is absolutely what I thought it was going to be. Someone recommended mm -hmm. this to me in our Facebook group, which is why I was like, have you done this before? Maybe we right. can talk about this. <laughs> Might as well, yeah. Because I was just looking for an excuse. Someone recommended it to me just because of my cannibalism fixation months and months and months ago. And when I looked at what it was, I was expecting a very serious sort of yeah. descent into madness, Donner Party uh -huh. straight kind of movie. Yeah. Um, and this is certainly much more interesting than that movie I thought it was <laughs> yes. would have been. You know? I agree. So uh, there's never a moment where I could sit there and be like, oh, I know where this is going. Or, yeah. I know what this movie no. is. It was like, I have the next scene, you could do anything. And I'll be like, okay, yeah, no, that adds up. <laughs> you know? Yep. I think, uh, you know, coming to the end here... When I look back at this movie, this is the second time we reviewed it. I don't know what I gave it the first time, but um, I really, really like this movie. I like its weirdness. I like that the, you know, I like that it instantly makes you go, wait, what? With that, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. eat me quote and all that stuff. Like, it kind of sets you from the beginning on a track of, like, you don't know what you're getting into. And mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um. So, for me, this is this is, like, eight and a half nine territory nice. this is one, this is one yeah. i really really like how would you rate this mark on a scale of one to ten like i said it's been a long time yeah. um, but knowing uh, knowing how i feel about movies that leave you uncomfortable mm -hmm. that leave you ill at ease that the entire way through it you you simply couldn't predict what's coming next and you know god i i've said so many times that I would much rather a movie that leaves me confused and uncomfortable than a movie that mm -hmm. leaves me bored. Um, right. I'd need to see it again to rate it properly, but based on my feelings towards Robert Carlyle, based on my feelings <laughs> towards that fucking little capsule of late 90s fucking film in general, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an easy kind of eight for me without having yeah. seen it in about a decade or more. That's awesome. Yeah, Corey, what yeah. would you say, scale of one to ten, what is this film? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pop it in there with an 8.5. I think I watched it two days in a row and was interested wow. both times all the way through. Yep. Um, was captivated by it. It's not my favorite movie I've ever seen, but it is sure. one that I absolutely will 
watch more. Like, I kind of wish that I had bought it instead of rented it. Because uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I will absolutely go back to this movie yeah. over and over again. You know, I can see it kind of coming into my, uh, you know, regular things and something that I'll watch enough and absolutely quote to people yeah. who have no idea what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not a perfect movie, but I think it is one that is a, a lot of fun, a lot of weird that makes yeah. me think I'm a, I think an 8.5 is is going to do it for me. Well, that's Whether awesome. You rented or bought it though. I don't know if David Arquette is seeing much of the way residuals from Rabbit. Oh, sweet David Arquette. By the <laughs> way, the the director who was brought in that they revolted against, you said in your last episode that he did go on to um direct never been kissed great huh. movie that has david arquette in it Wee, there we go. oh so, you know okay <laughs> apparently he wasn't completely turned off yeah david arquette was now. like i'm not gonna burn any bridges <laughs> <laughs> it's fine i need i need this buddy i need this so <laughs> okay uh, so yeah, let us know what you think over there on our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely pod, uh, you know, uh, Instagram, Twitter at dead and lovely pod at dead lovely pod somewhere. You'll find You'll it. Find it's on it. link tree. The logo's the same on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Very easy to find. Uh, guys, Jack of all graves. Uh, tell people about it. Yeah. Jack of all graves. We're here for all of your. Uh, dark needs. Uh, we are on Twitter at Jack of All Graves, Instagram Jack of All Graves Pod. Um, find us on all of the places where you listen to podcasts, and mm. you know, enjoy the shit out of it because we have a good time. We're having fun. We have a good community over on Facebook as awesome. well. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook.com/slash Jack of All Graves, and we have a ton of fun. Yeah, right, I'm Mark? fond of saying I'd, I'd be doing Jack of All Graves if literally no one listened. Yeah. So it's yeah. great if you want to come yeah. along, but I'm going to carry on doing it anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. uh, I love Jack of All Graves. I have talked about you guys a million times. So if this is your fa- first episode, hopefully you've heard that these people are awesome and go check out their podcast. Thank you so much, Corey and Mark, for filling the void that uh, was Ben this week. We will be back next week with an episode with Ben. We're going to be talking about the movie Odd Thomas. Starring oh, I Anton love Odd Yelke. Thomas. <laughs> I believe it's directed by the guy who directed The Mummy. So oh. Exciting. Uh, so anyway, check us out next week. Uh, you guys got anything fun to say before we end? Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> it is <laughs> that time of the year. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Eat my meat. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, love you. Bye. (laughs) And then Shovel Grandpa gets to meet his granddaughter and Kevin's dad, who probably does a lot of coke, finds a gold tooth on his floor. That's the end of Home Alone. And so Hollywood Steve wasn't home alone anymore because the wet bandits had fallen down a stair and got hidden by a paint can.